Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. I just, I just want to encourage you. Uh, we've been now on the road 10 years. We started in, in uh, 09 and now it's 19. And what God has done in 10 years is amazing. It's amazing from the churches to the camps to the retreats to revivals, now to the inner city where I believe God has called us to be missionaries to America, to the United States, to the United States, not to the world, to the United States. And so as we go, as you saw some glimpses and some shots, the first guy in that first slide from Baltimore was shot four times in the head, being chased by a gang in Baltimore, Maryland. He lost his mother, his brother, his sister, and his nephew to all gun shooting. And he came to an outreach that we were doing. As I began to preach, I watched him go back and forth, back and forth. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a quarter of his brain that's gone and a quarter of his skull that's gone. After surgery, surgery, demonically possessed, crazy. And as I started preaching, I just watched his spirit turn and just focus. And I watched God as the Holy Spirit began to fall. And as I finished in 10 minutes in the inner city outreach, in 10 minutes about the blood of Jesus, he came forward to accept Christ. They said, we've been trying to get him. Thanks. They said, this guy is a worker. He's always around the church. He's always doing all kinds of stuff. He's always being a part of. It's almost like hearing about the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and the Brooklyn Tabernacle where they had a guy on the the street that used to urinate on their church all the time. He used to defecate, you know what I'm saying, all over the church and defecate and he would do horrible things and all of a sudden one day God got him. And then he became a deacon of the church. I'm just saying, God knows how to turn junk and junk into gold. And so this is what God's doing, and this is what we're allowed to do, and this is where my board is. I'm so proud of my board, Mike, Mike, and Gino, that are just breathing into my life. But they always stretch me. See, I'm the one that's by myself, and i got to raise the monies, and i got to find people, which so many of you in this church are supporters. From the $5 to the 10 to the 50 to the hundreds, in this church, <laughs> and you're supporting us. I don't even know how this happens. My wife says, how do people get people to give to you? And I'm like, I don't know, but it just happens. But it keeps us going. Our golf outings supply the inner cities and supply the schools, which I've been to a lot of your schools, and they've not paid me a dime, but we do. We want to raise money so we can give money away. So Randy Don gets money and gives money. This year, we raised $47,000 through our two golf outings. And that $47 by next June will be gone for the cities. In fact, this week when I come in, it's on my dime, the outreach. It's not on yours, even though you are a part of us. It is on your dime because you're a part of us. I shouldn't say it that way. But we come in to pay for the inflatables and the food and everything, Randy Don Ministries. I called Vicki and I said, Vicki, we want to blow this place up. We want to put on steroids. I know you're already doing it, but let's do more than we can do. We're going to give out vouchers to trailers, to, to, to people that own trailers. We're going to give out vouchers for their rent. We're going to help pay their rent, some of those things. That's what I've been called to do. So my board keeps saying, what can we do, what can we do? And I'm not trying to exhaust this because I'm going to preach this Ezekiel chapter 37 if you want to get in your Bible. But I'm going to tell you, Ezekiel chapter 37, talking about the Holy Spirit here in the Old Testament. But here's the cool thing. I've been asked by my board, what can we launch? And God's given me a nugget. And so I, I mentor seven youth pastors a week, one-hour sessions. I have three on Thursday. I have two on Tuesday. I have one on Monday. And I mean, I have another one that's in Kentucky. And uh, I have other people that call me all the time for this and that. And I'm, I'm helping raise ministries in Michigan, 
And Cedar Springs on a Tuesday night, we're raising an inner city ministry with kids that are told they're no good. On Wednesday nights, I'm helping a church raise a youth ministry. I'm going to pour six months into them and then find them a youth pastor. This is what God's called us to do. But my board said, what can we do? And I said, what's on my heart is an academy. An academy. How can I train even in 24 hours to fly in on a Friday at 2 o'clock and start on a Wednesday and fly out or drive out on a Saturday excuse me, a Friday night, yes, at 2 o'clock, start on 3 o'clock, and then go on a Saturday after 3 o'clock, 24 hours. How can I pour into this next generation of Christian and Dianas? Not Christians like all of us. I'm talking about Christian and Diana, the youth pastors. How can I help raise, not Randy Don, but how can I raise people to not only, to not only become leaders, but I want to raise servant leaders. I want people to learn, like this church does, how to serve the community. Let me tell you this, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you're a shepherd. Everybody wants to be a pastor today. I want the title of, I want the title of leader. I want the title of leader. Francis Chan says it's this way. You can stand in the garage all day long. It doesn't make you a car. <laughs> but I think we send so many people to leadership conferences, and they come back, and all of a sudden they're dubbed the leader, but they really can't lead because they've never learned how to serve. And I want, to turn, I want to change, I want to make Randy Don's Academy servanthood leadership, servanthood leadership. Because if I could teach these young people how to serve, they won't jump out of the ministry after a year or two years. They're going to learn how to serve and serve their young people and serve their pastor and serve the vision. And as they do that, they become great leaders. And so I want to build this academy that I want to launch in March of 2020 in Michigan. I want to launch the first one and the second one will be here in Pennsylvania in October. I want to launch too, but what I really need is I need partners. I need people that will say, I, I believe in the academy. I believe that I'm, I'm, I have a guy right now that I'm working with, and by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he's got money, and he'll say, listen, I believe in what you're doing. Let's do this thing together. I want to just start at two, and then I want to go to four, and I want to go to six a year. Somebody said to me, man, how are you doing this? Like, my board's always stretching me, and I keep saying to them, you keep stretching me, but I got to raise the money. And they're like, Randy, you're doing a good job of it. Keep on going. Keep on moving. Keep Because you got the energy of an energizer bunny, and you're not stopping. I don't need five out of Virginia. I have the Holy Spirit in me, and the Holy Spirit in me is the one that keeps me moving, okay? He's the one that wakes me up in the morning. It's like, okay, let's go. Strap him on. I'm like, Lord, my back's a little sore. I'll take care of your back. Just keep on walking. It's over. That's the Holy Spirit. So I want to launch this academy, and I'm just looking for partners. I'm looking for people that God says, you know what, you can be a part of that. That's not what I came here for, to ask you for a dime. I'm just saying pray about it. Think about it. Let me know what you have in your heart. And if you can, pray about that somebody else from another state, another era, will just say, you know what, I believe in what you're doing here. Here's my dime. That's all I'm asking for. I don't care if it's buck 380. It'll start me. Some of y'all, buck 380, how's that work? It, it'll happen. In the back on the table, I have these little mini calendars. To be honest with you, they were a mistake. They're like little booklets. Did you see them coming in, little white things? When I saw them, I laughed. Because at five foot six and my wife's five foot, really 4'11", I said, these are tiny, teeny, little, tiny booklets. Who wants these? But women want them, put them in their purse, and they write little notes on them and stuff. The ones I wanted were about like this, about like this, so I can get them on a table, and they're hardcover, and I, when I got them, I was like, mm, what do I do with them? And she said, well, we can, you can send them back, we'll send them to Bangladesh. I'm like, no, can I just have them? She said, yeah, and I said, I, on the table, if you want to get one on the way out, I got another, I got a box underneath the table, just take them, take two or three, I don't care, my mother-in-law took ten, and uh, 
because she likes to write little grocery shopping, all that kind of stuff. And so take that. I do have the flash drives. We have it with sermons on it. But the pens are free. That's free. I just want to give my life away because I know what I've been given by that woman right there. That's why I'm going to paint her house. Basement. (laughs) Now I have 30 minutes of your time to let you out by 1131, 11.32. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is what should rock our lives and keep us going. How many people have ever been there like your faith has been shaken and sometimes you question? Thank you for being honest. How many times your faith has been shaken and sometimes you question? And we question God like, God, how could I ever have been in this circumstance? How could you ever do this to me? See, we blame God, but yet when we're in trouble, we cry out to God. I was, um, I don't know if I told you this, I might have told you this story, but I had these, these agnostic and, and atheist kids that came to my youth group. They were skateboarders. Maybe I told you the story. Let me tell it again. If you don't get it, it's funny. They came and they sashayed their way down over here on their skateboards towards the altar, flipped the board up, and then they kind of did this. And there was eight of them. Second row, right here, where all these young people are. Second row, they just popped in there. And I'm, I'm in the front, and, and I'm, I'm in Battle Creek. It's in Battle Creek, my first church. And I started with 26 kids, and now about three years later, we're running about three or 400. And all of a sudden, three or 400 kids. And I'm, I'm, I love everybody from every population. It doesn't matter about the tribe, tongue, creed. It doesn't matter about just color of your skin. Let me tell you something. God created you. You're a child of God, man. That's all there is to it. And so I look past it because I look at the blood. I look at the blood, and I thank God for the blood of the lamb. Not that kind of blood. Like, you're like, are you going to kill me? No, I'm I'm just talking about the blood of the lamb. So they sashay. So after church, they asked us a question. And we all have them. Our churches have them. And I know Central doesn't. You have good stuff. But most of the churches have these vans that are like, you should have gave to like, like you should just give to a junkyard, okay? Like they're, they're falling apart. Like one time I was driving a van to a very elite church and the door came off. I'm just telling you. I was like, <sighs> the whole door. I'm not lying. I'm frying. I'm on the stage. I'm preaching. The whole door. I'm like, 15. 15 passenger, 15 passenger. I'm on my way to Detroit. I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm on my way to Detroit. Kids are like, you're going to stop? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what am I going to do with a door? The van's packed, stuff in the back. 14 kids are in here. We're going. I'm like, we're going. I called him. I got to Detroit. I said, hey, so-and-so, my CPA. I said, guess what? I said, mile marker 27 outside of Grand Rapids. You'll find your door. <laughs> but they do that to us youth pastors. They do it. They give us the stuff. They're like, man, we just want to give you the van. And I'm like, man, carbon monoxide coming up. And your kids are coming home. The third eye is formed. Hey, what's up, mom? Where you been? I've been an hour each, man. I've been in a van for five hours, man. I'm getting high. I'm just telling you. I had to take kids to the hospital because of carbon monoxide. I'm just telling you stupid stuff. So I get this. So I thought, let me have the van. I never drove the van. I had people drive the vans for me because I'm smart. And so I just had them do it. And they picked kids up. And one day I put all these eight kids. They're like, we need a ride home. I'm like, get in the van. Get in the van. I'm taking you home. So my drivers were like, why are you doing this? I said, (laughs) so I pull out of the church and I go to pull across the street. And you got to know something about Columbia Avenue. And it was one of the busiest thoroughfares. And as I'm pulling out, I'm kind of playing with the brake and I'm playing with the gas. and And we're trying to cross the street. We're in the middle lane, the middle medium. Now we're trying to go. And as we go to go left into McDonald's, I'm like, oh, oh no, cars are coming. And this row of these non-believers are like, oh, for the love of God, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, God, my Savior, my hallelujah, Lord. 
they're getting it on. They're getting it on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my God. My, they're screaming, yelling, Jesus, for the sake of the love of God. They're screaming. I'm like, because <laughs> I don't know, Eric know me, Pastor Kirk know me. I like playing with people. I like messing people up, okay? So I pull into McDonald's. I turn around like Chucky. It's like, my whole head. I look back and I said, you know what? I'm going to buy you all something to eat and I'm going to take you home. But how dare you, how dare you call out to God? For there is no God. There's nobody that believes in God. You don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't believe in God Almighty. You don't even believe in the power of God. But boy, when you're in trouble and you're going to die, who do you cry out church? Are you hearing me? They cried out like a banshee. Not one person in there. You tell me one person you've ever met in your life that cries out to Satan when they're in trouble. How many times have you been to the hospital? You go to the hospital, you go visit a patient. It's like, oh, no, Pastor, I don't want you. Satan's coming. <laughs> I was watching comics this week, and I'm thinking, God, I should be doing that. Like, why am I even preaching, God? And God's like, you're doing both. You are a comic, and you're a preacher. You're a comedian. So, But, I, okay, so I get him in this, and I get him something to eat, and they're like, oh, I'm sure, I'm really sorry. I said, don't sorrow me nothing. Don't sorrow me. But I'm going to tell you this. And this is how bold I get. See, I didn't mess with people except for the fact I messed with them, okay? But when they started messing with my God, I don't have tolerance for that. Like, I don't put up with you telling me, I don't believe in Jesus. It's like, okay, God bless you. Man, boom, go on your way. Take it easy. Get out of my life. I don't have any more need for you. I'll pray for you. Come on, now, don't judge me. I'll pray for you. But you know what? I'm not messed up. You're not my traffic jam. You're not my stop sign. You're not my yield, okay? My yield is God. My stop is God. My go is God, okay? That's all there is to it. I don't have time for people like that. So I would play with youth goods. I would play with that kind of like mentality. And I said to them, here's what I want. From when I drop you off, don't come back to my church. You don't believe in God anyways. I don't even know how you showed up, but I'm taking you home. I'm doing you a favor. I fed you just now, but don't come back to my church. I don't ever want to see you again. Stay away. Because there is no God but I'm going to keep preaching it. So I dropped them off one by one. The last one was a brother and sister. When I dropped them off, the sister turned around and said to me, I need Jesus. And I'm not playing. I don't care what they all did, but I saw Jesus tonight. You came, you preached, I listened, you fed us, you scared us. <laughs> like you messed with us, but I need Jesus. And I led her to Christ. And the brother was like, whatever. So they went. The next week, all eight showed up. They come up to me and I said, oh, don't ask me to take you home because it's going to get busy. But I did. And I took them home that next week, got a McDonald's, didn't have to scare them again because they knew where I was. And when I dropped them off this time, four of them got saved. And by the time after two months, all eight were saved. All eight were saved, and out of the eight, seven are in full-time ministry today. Now listen, when I left in 1996, I left Battle Creek first. I went to Detroit, 96, all the way till um, 2001 when I started in Grand Rapids. Okay, so when I left, all those kids were still like freshmen, sophomore, juniors in high school. When I went back to preach in 2003 and 2004, all eight were studying for ministry. Missions filled, preaching, music. Why? Because somebody took a chance in a van to risk their lives to save another. 
Vicky, try it sometime. Vicky, don't say no. Try it. When people say to you, I want to go to Bangladesh, I want to go to Ethiopia, say, get in the van. Because that's when you know they're really cold. I'm just telling you. Title of this message is, Lord, we need your breath. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. I'm going to read this, then we're going to break this down. We're going to have a good time with this. But I think this is where we're at today. We're sick. We're hurting. Um, we need oxygen in our lungs. We are hurting of cancer. We're hurting of dis- different diseases. Things have happened in our lives. I'm home. This is my family. I'm talking to you as a son in Christ, as a brother in Christ. I'm just telling you, as an uncle in Christ, it doesn't matter. I'm just telling you that in our lives, we check out. We don't get hold of it and say, you know what? I shall not be moved. We're moving, and we're moving centimeters, and we're moving millimeters away. We're moving, all of a sudden, kilometers away, and we're moving miles away from God because now we don't trust him. The one we have to trust, we don't trust anymore. How could a loving God ever do this to me? I've been there. I've heard it all. And it's sad. Said so the Lord took a hold of me, verse 1 of 37. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to the valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones. They covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. They were completely dried out. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone uh, know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Verse 4. Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. There's an exclamation point. That means there's power there. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, boom, exclamation point. I'm I'm going to put breath into you and to make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message, verse 7, just as he told me suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. Can you hear it, church? The bones, each each body came together, attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then I watched as muscles and flesh formed over the bones and the skin formed over, covered their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. And he said to me, son, excuse me, speak the prophet, uh, message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds, Boom, exclamation point. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may be alive again or live again. So I spoke the message as it commanded, and I breathed, and uh, the breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life, and they stood up on their feet as a great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Does that sound familiar? Therefore prophesy to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh my people, I will open the graves of exile and cause you to rise up. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then this happens, oh my people. When this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. Mm. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord 
has spoken. I'm going to give you a couple points. The first one is this. Lord, cause me to rise up. There's something here. Listen, this, this, this passage blows my mind. Like, like seriously, first of all, I, it's Ezekiel, the prophet. I, I, it wouldn't be me. It, there's no way Randy Don is going to stand in this valley of dry bones. Because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of clumsy when it comes to that stuff. Like, I'm not the most, like, I'm kind of like my father was, a little bit like a bull in a china closet. My dad would, he would fix something, but if it wasn't working, he'd be like, okay, there it is. <laughs> now, don't make, how many, no, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm, mm. My, my mom would be like, hey, Francis, um, Don, is that, is that supposed to fit that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't say nothing to your mother, okay? Yeah, it's in. It fit. <laughs> Come on, I'm not lying. My dad, we're building a wall one time. We're putting these, these uh, stone blocks for a wall. They're big, man. I'm like 14, 15 years old. He's like, pick that up. I'm like, what? I'm down there, man. I'm like, don't make fun. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm thinking of ways I can get that. I get it to here. How many know what I'm talking about? You get it right to here, and it's like, oh, snap. My mom, my dad's yelling at me. What's wrong with you? Come on, get it up here. Come on, man. My mom's like, you keep yelling at him. I'm bringing him in. I'm going to feed him. He's not going to work for you. I'm like, call me. Just call me, woman. Just say, girl, just say Randy. I'm like, oh, what's up? My dad would squeeze things, break things, chip things. I remember one time it was a stone. I'm like, Dad, it's not going to fit. He said, I'm going to have to break it in half. I said, well, you got to do it. He goes, Phew. I'm like, what is that? Phew. It broke at the wrong angle. I'm just telling you. Then you got two people. That's me. So I'm in this valley with these dry bones. Jasmine, you can see it. I'm just like walking through and it's like, hey, God, listen. Oh, man. Like they was already dried or already gone. How many can see this valley? You see it? Now I'm breaking stuff. The Bible don't talk about Ezekiel, but he probably broke stuff. But he's with a God that can fix stuff. One now. See, some of y'all sitting in your brokenness. You've been stepping on others. You've been stepping on God. You've been stepping on people. You've been stepping on things. You've been breaking stuff. But let me say this to you. In your breaking stuff, God's still with you. He's with you in your brokenness. Young person, you're rebellious to your parents. You care less about your parents. You're cocky to your parents. You're talking back. Now you're trying to be the parent. You're not trying to be the young person. I'm telling you straight up because I love you. You all of a sudden, you're telling them how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. Listen, you might be good on your telephone, but you can't even make your bed. Now, did you hear how they clapped and everything? No, wait, no, wait, watch. They disrespected you, right? This is why I love young people. Because adults, you're wrong. Because somehow along the way, you taught them that. Somehow along the way, you let them do that. My dad was a three-minute shower guy. Three minutes. Not him in there, but me. My dad was a three-minute shower guy, Adam. I'm just telling you straight up. You turn the water on from the time that water goes on. I'm like, man, it's gonna... 
came out sweating worse than when you went in. How many people remember that day? Now, be honest. How many people remember that? See, there's only three of you honest enough to say it. I'm just telling you straight up. My wife is like, you're done already? I'm like, honey, that's why I took my hair down. Because I'm in the process of what they call WG. Wipe and go. Had a young girl come live at our house for a while. She downstairs in the basement doing her thing. 25 minutes, 30 minutes later, I shut the water of the house off. She's like, ah, hey, the water's off. I'm like, you think? Turned it back on. She got done. She came upstairs for breakfast. She's getting ready to college student. She's getting ready to go to college. She said, man, what's up? I said, from now on, three minutes. See, look, young people are like, man, they ain't never going to. Let me tell you something. They will turn out how you train and teach them. And quit, will you stop saying, well, let me tell you how I was raised. Nobody cares anymore how you're raised. Nobody cares anymore how you're raised. I'm just telling you, don't disrespect, but nobody really cares anymore about how you're raised because you're like, in my day. Well, that was your day. This is my day. This is my time. This is my moment. This is so, here's what they're saying. They're saying this, if you will pour into me, if you will pour into me and cause my dry bones to begin to rattle again and let the Holy Spirit, come on somebody, that's what they're saying. Six of you clap because now you're offended. You don't know my life. Listen, I don't have to know your life. God does. And there's a time in our lives, it says, sometimes, Lord, cause me to rise up. Sometimes we feel this way. We get into spiritual rut. Everything becomes mechanical. We go through the motions every day. We feel that our lives are like these dry bones mentioned in this passage. So what do we do? How can we be revived again? Verse 1 and 2 says this, And the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by his Spirit of the Lord. He will bring you out by his Spirit. He will put you in the places of dryness by his spirit. He will give you authority. Listen, some of y'all are praying for a power. I wouldn't give you power until you had authority. We got it backwards. The reason why I want to start this servanthood leadership is because I studied the Bible. And in the Bible, the word servant or servanthood is mentioned over 1,100 times in Scripture. Servant or servanthood. The greatest in the kingdom is a Servant. The word leader or leadership is only mentioned less than 90 times in the entire Bible. The word leader, leader, but yet we put an emphasis on leadership, leadership, leadership. God has called those to lead, and he's called us all to serve. The calling of the Lord is on us. Listen, man, when you get to that dry place, call the spirit of the Lord. Spirit of God, come. Fill fill these dry bones. They obviously had been that way for a long time because they were very dry. They were very dry. The army was dead. People have lost their way. They turned their backs on God. They turned their backs. It sounds like our culture today. Listen, somebody said to me, are you afraid going into the inner city? Listen, there's times I question but once I hit the city, oh man, there's a bolt. I'm only five foot seven, well, six, six and three quarters. And so what happens is, 
When I hit the streets and they take me, I work with bands. It's called Salt Save a Life Tour. And the bands play. It's amazing how the bands can take 35, 40 minutes. Two of them, 35, 40 minutes. Rand, you got 10 minutes to preach. I'm like, man, what happened here? We'll give you two 10-minute slots. I'm like, you just took 42, you took 42 minutes and you preached already. Worship. I'm not looking at you, Adam. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I'm going to say this to you publicly. You have the best worship of any church I've been to. I have watched him. I don't know what he was thinking about the Medea thing, but I'm just telling you. I've watched him. I watched him lead worship for you and for pastors Stellar, And I'm telling you, worship needs to be in, the first, in our lives. We get up in the morning, we have praise on our lips. But if praise is all we have, and we don't have authority through the word of God, then all you are is a resounding symbol. It's amazing our churches I go to, I'll sit in the pulpit, I'll, I'll sit next to the pastor, and after worship's done, half the church leaves. Because they worship worship, they don't worship the word. People in our culture today, they don't want to hear this. <laughs> you know why? Because it's tough. This word's tough. It cuts. It breaks things. It, it, it plows the ground for things. This word says he's double-edged sword. It will cut all the way to the bone and tomorrow. It hurts. Strategic surgery hurts. And then the rehab and the recovery time is incredible. But I'm telling you, if you will get your worship on and you get into your word of God, the spirit comes. And when the spirit comes, I'll show you what happens when the spirit comes. Because this isn't where it stops. It doesn't stop about just requesting. It stops because the spirit shows up. That's why we serve God, because his spirit shows up. Verse 3 says, he asked me, can you picture God speaking to Ezekiel? And he says, what do you think, son? Come on, man, God Almighty, he's asking me what I think? You know what that call is? It's calling, he's wanting to empower us. He's wanting to put on us a mantle and the power of God. I love what my sister Jolie, we were traveling. She said, I know there's a God because I've seen him in my moments. I've seen him in my time. I've seen him, I'm sitting in a car going, yes, yes. Because that was given to us through our parents. That when trouble comes, you don't lay down and you don't blame God and people, you rise up. See, we're fighters, man. God's called us to be warriors for the kingdom. He didn't call us to be passive. Let somebody else take care of it. Let me ask you a question. You don't cut your yard. Do you think somebody else is going to show up? Don't clean your house for a week, ladies. No, don't do that. I'm just saying. Because your husband's next to you. Let me tell you something. First of, all, if they ever, first, first of all, if they ever say, listen, woman, you're good, don't ever talk to them again. That's not how you treat your spouse. But if they're sitting there going, oh, for the love of God, you take care of the house, I'll take care of everything else. Then it's like, I got you. My wife's tough, man. We split everything in my house. It ain't like she gets home 12-hour shift from the hospital. And it's like, hey, woman, listen, clothes aren't done. House isn't clean. You know what the counter looks like, poo-poo? My woman, here's what my girl do. She'd be like this. Yeah, you know what? It'll take you an hour to get, get to it. That's who I married. Why did I marry her? Because I married up. I wanted somebody that was like Jesus. <laughs> I didn't want somebody that was so passive. Yes, honey, whatever you want. Listen, and in our house, 
I do all that. I do all that. I learned that. I learned how to clean. I learned how to do laundry. Well, at first it was a little scary, but I learned how to do it. I mean, I'd be in today. 25 years ago, I'd be in today. Everything was pink. I'm just telling you straight up. I made one mistake. I learned from that. But you help do things. Why? Because it's in you, and you want to help, and you want to do this. The Spirit of the Lord, he says, ask me, can these bones live again? Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. See, if we would talk to God like Ezekiel, oh, Lord, can I do that? Can I go to the marketplace? Can I go to Washington Estates and paint faces? Can I go down there and serve hamburgers and hot dogs? Lord, can I go to Sam's Club? Can I really go across the street to the bakery? And Lord's like, oh, you call it, son. You're asking me, I'll tell you, I'll give you the the power. You call it son. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I can do this. And he goes, go. Cause every step you take, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you authority. Cause with authority comes power. But everybody wants power today. I want the power, man. You're not going to have any power. You're going to be blown out in, in, in no time because why you're going to resort back to the failure. You're going to resort back to the hurts and the pains. Where are you? God, God says, well, you step in my authority. I'll give you the power of the kingdom. I'll give you kingdom power. I'll give you kingdom authority. I'll give it to you when the devil starts laughing at you like they do at me on streets. I had a demoniac. I'm in uh, uh, Philadelphia, Kensington, Philadelphia. Oh, it's horrible. I'm behind a triple X porn shop. I'm like, where you put me? I'm on the inner city streets. There's needles everywhere, heroin stuff. People OD'd over here, foaming at the mouth. They're gone. Trucks are coming in. Police cars are coming in. They're grabbing the bodies. They're taking them out while I'm preaching. I had a demoniac come to me. He looked like, oh man, he looked like probably John the Baptist with hair everywhere, big old beard stuff sticking out, hot dog mustard hanging down, ketchup, onions down here, and his pants all baggy, screaming, blankety blank, blankety blank, you. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, today bring it. Everybody looks at me like, Phew. I'm like, oh no, you're gonna watch the power of God. I say it to myself. In myself, I'm like, God, I know why you called me. And I'll say, in the authority and name of Jesus, you keep your mouth shut. You better either turn around and get out of here or you're gonna come to kingdom. And I watch the man. I'm gonna... God began to mute. Don't tell me it don't happen. I've seen it. Woo! And don't be like, I'm using it on my mother in law. It ain't gonna work. I'm hoping my wife gets that because she's a little bit crazy, you know what I'm saying? My husband, he don't, he's a non, my wife's like, you're a non-stop, non, I mean, non-stop talker. I'm like, girl, I got to because you don't say nothing. All of a sudden, muted, muted, and all of a sudden, face plant, right, in, right on the ground, right in the stone, right, mm. guy looks at me and he goes, ooh, preacher, keep on preaching, that's good stuff. Kept right on preaching. This guy crawled like an army crawl all the way till we have a cross, and he crawled to the cross. And when he got to the cross, changed. Transformed in his right mind. I had him get up and go, he goes, oh, I know where I'm at. I'm, I'm not even drunk. I'm not even crazy. Was I yelling at you? I said, oh, yeah, I'm a man. Just a, just a little man. Words I never heard before. That's when you know I'm in trouble when our society throws profanity and you're like, what? Who created that word? Get to number two because I got a lot to do, but I want to let you go. Lord, number two, we need your breath. How many people, have, <laughs> how many people ever had somebody talk, talk to you? Like 
give you words or like try to talk to you. Anybody one-on-one? Anybody ever have somebody just like, listen, here's what I think's happening. And they're talking to you. And they got like the worst breath in the world. <laughs> Come on. You tell me why church can't be fun. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just... I'm just being related. See, y'all got name tags. I can come down and start talking to you individually. You know what I'm saying? Bill, I'm right at you. I got you right there, okay? But what, you should have never worn them. I'm just telling you straight up. And so what happens is people talking to you. And when they're talking to you, they're not making sense, but they're just like, you're like, listen, I wanted to ask you about the Bible. And you're like, what? And they're like, listen, you got to. And you're like, man, what? How many have ever been there? Don't lie. Come on, let me see your hand. Don't lie. They think they're speaking life into you, and you don't hear anything because they're just talking poo poo. How many know what I'm talking about? This, this over here looks a little sober. You look a little bit like. You know what I'm talking about? People talk crazy, right? And then the advice you were asking, there's nothing in there. There's, but you still listen to them because they're my best friend. It's time to get another friend because that friend ain't speaking life into you. That friend's probably selfish. That friend probably wants to discombobulate everything that happened in your life. They probably want to disconnect you from everything because it's about them and not about you. Because when you put the right people in your life and they begin to speak to you, they're going to have the breath of God that comes out of them and they're going to speak life and they're going to speak life and they're going to speak anointing in the midst of your trouble and, and, your, and your heartache and your struggles. Gentlemen, listen to me. Some of you are tuned out already. I look at some of you men and I'm looking at you looking around like, oh, it's getting a little bit late. Let me say you something. Stop. Stop it. Because this is where we're having a problem in America. Man, if you take a hold of your household and quit worrying about your job and your finances and worry more about your kids, I'm telling you, we'd have revival in our land. And you start breathing life into your children that you had, that you didn't want to have, but they're here now. I, don't tell me I don't know because I've worked with them all my life. I work with people that are disgusted when it comes to the gospel. And it's your job, honey. It's your job, baby. You raise the kids. I'll take care of the money. That's not today. Both are working in the household. Both are giving up. Both are working hard. So gentlemen, do me a favor and be the man of God. Be the man of God. And let me tell you something. You're like, well, you're just a youth pastor. Let me say this to you. I'm standing to you. I'm standing today as you, a 60-year-old man that doesn't have to have his own children. I have fathered children all over this nation. And I'm telling you what they're saying today is if my dad would have just been my dad. And we want to blame it on somebody else. And, oh, there's God's word. God's word's all over that about the man. Ladies, you'd probably be more in line instead of taking over and trying to make it your way and do your thing if the man would do it. And not every man's like that. Please. Oh, man, he said every. No, I'm not. But I'm looking. See, you're only looking at one. I'm looking at all your faces. And I can see a clarity. Some of you men are checking out on me because you're like, listen, we got to get going. We got to do this. I got to do that. Stop it. This is the house of God where you get things fixed. And then you get into your home and you make sure they stay fixed. I'm sorry. I, that just irks me. People breathing on us. People breathing at your jobs. And men, all of a sudden you're having problems in your relationship. A woman comes and she starts to breathe into your life. She's not the woman that should be breathing in your life. 
Young people, you listen to it all the time. You know what they're saying about vaping right now? Oh, I don't care. I'm a vapor. You're an idiot. Yeah. Oh, do we, we don't talk like that. My bad. I'll say it a little different. You're an idiot. <laughs> the reports are coming out. It's worse than nicotine. These little juice things they're putting in it. Now, don't tell me what I'm talking about because I know what's happening at Chartiers Houston. I know what's happening at Trinity. I know what's happening at Canamac, Bethlehem. I know what's happening at our schools. I know what's happening at Fort Cherry. I know what's happening all over the place. Don't lie to me. You're frying. I'm telling you right, right now, people try to substitute. Isn't it amazing how everybody tries to substitute for the real thing? But Coca-Cola is really the real thing. Oh, no, don't, I'm not lying. They tagged it, the real thing. I didn't make that up. I know, I gotta go. You guys are like, okay. So here's the real thing for band, would you come, Adam Band? Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Let me give you this, and I'll close. Because I'm looking for people that want the real thing. I'm tired of substitutes. All of a sudden, we wanna quit smoking, so we substitute it. We wanna quit drinking, so we substitute it. We get Red Bulls and everything else, five hour energy. Could you picture me on Five Hour Angie? <laughs> Could you picture me on Red Bull? I said to a friend, what's that? He goes, well, it's like a Mountain Dew Red Bull. I'm like, what? Mountain Dew Red Bull? Seriously? I could never do Mountain Dew either. I'm serious, I'd have a heart attack. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter two. See, I'm trying to inspire you to go out into the marketplace to become what Jesus wants you to become. Not what I'm asking. But if I can train people to have this spirit that God gave me, and I can train the Christians and the Deanas that this is a place where God's called you, and you can rise up when somebody says you're too young, but you took a chance and said, I believe in who you are and what your gifts are and what you bring, God bless you. Because he has an energy and he has a power and he has an authority. Why? Not because he was just taught that, but he was taught that. Afterwards, Second uh, Joel 2, 28. I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. The young men will see visions. And the spirit of God is war war uh, wanting to pour his Holy Spirit into all his people. We need the power and the water of the Holy Spirit. Our body's made up 96% of water. We need to have water to survive. Let the water of the Holy Spirit pour on us today. This should be 100% of our lives as born-again Christians. Everybody in America is a Christian. People say, I'm a Christian this, I'm a Christian that. And yet they're taking somebody's life and they're killing somebody. For what? Just to get the kingdom and have some women? It's wrong. Not everybody's a Christian. I don't even tell anybody anymore. I go to restaurants and people go, oh, you're the pastor guy. Oh, you're born again Christian. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I'm not a Christian. What? I'm not a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I am kingdom purpose. When you go into Dr. Kiefer and Jill's office for chiropractic help, they not only have the whole holistic thing of what God's doing through the natural stuff, 
But what they're doing is they're praying that God will show them what you have wrong. Come on. If you don't know them, they sit right over here. When you go to different places and you come to a church and you need anointed or healing or you need the power of God, you know where to go. But the problem is people will say, I've been there too many times. I can't keep going back to the well. And what Jesus said to a woman one day was, you don't need this well anymore because I'll quench all your thirst. Come to the well of this, the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is Ezekiel, oh man, there's so much more here and I'm sorry, but Ezekiel comes to this place where God says, okay, you call it Ezekiel. And I can just see Ezekiel a little nervous, like, oh, what if I mess up? What if I make a mistake? What if I, what if I go to say, hey, because he says to him, call from the four, four corners of this earth, north, south, east, and west. You call it, you call it, call it, call it, because it'll come. And I can see Ezekiel going, but if I call, what if I say the north, and I talk wrong, and I salute, and I say, what's fine? Will you still know what I say? Because don't tell me that's not where you've been. When God's asked you to do something, you know what you say? Me? See, God speaks to you to do something right, and you always question, is it the devil? Is it really God asking me? And God says, I want you to go to your neighbor, and I want you to bring a pie, and I want you to tell them that I love them, and I've died for them. I want you to go down to the inner city and I want you to pick up about five or seven of the black kids and the Hispanic kids that are staying on the corner and they have no place to eat, no place to go. And I want you to bring them to the rock and I want you to feed them. You, God, are you sure that's you? No, it's not God. It's just your head thinking. Totally, radically wrong. When God tells you to go, it's usually for the helps because he's called you to rescue. <laughs> He's called you, he's called you, he's called me to speak it. And so Ezekiel, in this valley of dry bones, says, oh, Spirit of God, from the north and south, the east and the east and the west, come, come. And all of a sudden, I could see that day, while they were standing, all of a sudden, there's this rattling of these bones. And, and it's like, oh, man, it's starting to happen. God says, I told you, son. Oh, God, look. It's all of a sudden, things start to attach and all of a sudden there's a resurrected body boom one two three thousands on the land that was all of a sudden all dead bones and dried now stand erect but there's no movement there's no movement so he says okay holy spirit you come holy spirit you breathe and before you know it i could see these vessels Breathe in the power of the authority of God and the spirit of God falls and all of a sudden they're back and they're back with more power and more authority and more to do with the kingdom of God and all he restores all of Israel in that day in that valley because of one man calling it. But God gave him the power and God says to you today, Eric's call it, call it. Mike, call it. Mary, call it. Jim, call it. Andrew, call it. Vicky, call it. He's telling you to start calling it. And when you start, Alan, when you rise up and you start to call it, then God says, that's what I'm talking about. Because he gives us all the power and authority. We're the ones that shortchange ourselves. We're the ones that question God. Sir, this is your baby in the center of you. Okay, this is your baby. So it's Scott and it's Vicky. What's your name, sweetheart? Melissa, mm, how cute. Melissa's are like, Dad, Mom, I feel this calling in my life. Well, listen, honey, you're young and 
And it's okay, you're impressionable. <laughs> it's okay, I know all the peer pressure and stuff. No, Dad, Mom, I feel called of God to go across the street to Mrs. Jones and to talk with her and make her cookies and bring her. Oh, honey, that's so nice, but not today. You know what you do? You squelch your spirit. Do you not raise her to do better things and greater things than you? That's what you do. That's what you do. We are called by God to begin to breathe on people's lives, not just resounding simple and stupidity. Quit giving bad advice, give God advice. You don't know what to say, you don't know what to say, look in the manual. <laughs> look in the word of God. You're going through a divorce, you're going through separation, you're going through legal custody, you're going through all of a sudden STDs, you're going through all kinds of sickness and liver disease and cancer and kidney disease. Look at the manual, look at the manual, look at the manual, look at the manual, read the manual, read the manual. Come on, you guys, read the manual, step up. I don't care, Samuel, how young you are. Stand up. Noah, what a name. They built an ark after you, you understand that? It's in, it's in Kentucky. <laughs> I'm just saying. You did a great job building that art. Here's how I want to close. This is the altar call. And I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to ask the prayer partners if you'd come. Prayer, any prayer partner, anybody, just come. And I want you to face the people, line up shoulder to shoulder along this altar. Here's what I'm asking. You're dry. I don't want to be embarrassed. You're gonna make, I'm not making you do anything. You stay in your dryness if you want to stay in your dryness. And it's not about an altar. If you don't come here, I'm not saying if you don't come here, oh my gosh, I leave the church, I'm cursed. Stop. Stop. Make your table today at lunch your altar. How about apologizing to your young people? And young people, how about apologizing to your parents? Because I want to rise up. I want to be what God wants me to do. So here's what I'm praying. I'm calling it today. From the north, the south, the east to the west. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.